Hello, and thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Redheaded Preacher podcast. I'm Richard Lanford, the Redheaded Preacher of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie, Illinois. And this edition is a, the scriptures for and message from Sunday, September 9th, 2022. And this is a Sunday that I planned on marking Epiphany, which was Thursday, January 6th. But the lectionary also says, hey, it's the baptism of Christ Sunday. So as Dan, our lector, will explain, uh, we're doing both of them in terms of the scripture readings. It's also reflected uh, in some of our hymns that uh, we'll be singing. But that's not part of the podcast. Dan, Dan Gunther is our lector. The scriptures are from Isaiah 43, Matthew 2, and the selected verses of Luke 3. And before going further, oh, let me tell you the sermon title is called In Good Company. In Good Company. And uh, please join me for a brief moment of prayer. Holy and merciful one, we give you thanks for the gift of life, for this gift of technology, and we give you thanks for your word. We pray that you bless what we're about to hear to our listening to our thinking, to our feeling. May it build us up that we may turn and build other people up because then we're in good company. Company called and claimed by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And now, here's Dan and the Word. Our first reading is Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 through 7. Preceded in chapter 42 with words of judgment, these verses speak to Israel of its redemption. But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. I give people in return for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the end of the earth, everyone who is called by my name whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. This ends the gospel, uh, I'm sorry, this ends the reading from Isaiah. The first of our two gospel passages is Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising 
and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea. And so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea, of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This ends the first reading of the Gospel. For those who are able, please stand up for the reading of the second Gospel lesson. It comes to us from the Gospel according to Luke chapter 3, verses 15 through 17, and verses 21 through 22. As the people were filled with expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you in water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized, And when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. Here ends the reading of the scriptures for this morning's service. Thanks be to God for this, God's holy word. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. Near the end of my vacation, I spent time with some other people I know, not a religious context, in hybrid masked gatherings. One person said a few weeks ago that she'd been feeling quite disconnected and out there, kind of within herself, but also just out there. Uh, in a way that scared her some. She said out there a couple of times. 
Someone agreed with her experience, that they were feeling that too. Later, someone else in another similar gathering said they were feeling untethered. I thought about myself at that t- in those gatherings, and I realized that I too have had times recently when I felt untethered or disconnected. Winter has something to do with that? Perhaps. But even more, I believe, is the continued public health danger of COVID-19, Delta, and now Omicron. People are hunkering down a bit more, uh, are more wary, are more agitated about developments, vaccination, new rules, all the stresses and hardships the virus has brought to us for almost two years. The virus, at first, may have been like a wicked, mysterious stone thrown into a lake. But like a rock so thrown, there are ripples flowing out from it in ways that you or I did not expect, prepare for, want, or in some cases did not survive. It has been draining. It has been isolating, depressing, and polarizing. It's been closing or downsizing businesses, schools, the performing arts, and all the stuff we know about because we've been here the past two years. Omicron seems to have brought back some of our resentments and fears and thinning reserves of patience. No wonder I hear friends talking about feeling out there or untethered. I found that I can relate to that at least sometimes And maybe you can. All of this was hard the first time. And with the latest major outbreak, to some degree it feels a little like it. Here we go again. Now you and I come to worship. And we hear about the epiphany normally celebrated on its real day, January 6th, and the baptism of Jesus. Not to mention the prophecy from Isaiah, which will give me a lot of my message today. The sermon title is, In Good Company. We are in good company, even if you or I feel disconnected or, in, or kind of alone out there during this pandemic, which some scientists are now calling an endemic. You may very well have heard that already. According to one source, an endemic is a disease that is consistently present but limited to a particular region. Consistently present. That's not great news. But the Christian church and the gospel it preaches is about good news from God. That is what can put us in good company. And not merely in the sense that we're all enduring this depressing, difficult season of disease together. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. At one level, this passage is about the Jewish diaspora returning to Israel after the Babylonian exile and the diaspora that when the Assyrians took over the northern kingdom and spread out the ten tribes, the lost tribes so-called. At the more primal level for Israel, passing through the waters invokes the exodus from Egypt. And you and I can sense there's kind of connection between this text and with how it refers to water and the baptism of Christ. 
What Jesus received from John that day was not a Christian baptism, but a Jewish one. In many first century Jewish sects, S-E-C-T-S, including the one led by John, the pathway into any life of serious religious discipline often led through water. As the Israelites of old passed through the Red Sea and later through the Jordan River, so any serious believer or seeker are are to do the same in that time. Jesus was in good company with the Israelites of old, those who passed through their waters, calling them to historic memory of origins and ceremoniously affirming his unity with those Hebrews and the nation of Israel they became. He's one of them. Until this past week, whenever I read Isaiah 43, and it is one of my favorite chapters, I've equated passing through the waters and walking through the fire. It's Hebrew parallelism. It's poetic parallelism. They're really two different ways to express the same thing. They represent tough, grueling, painful times. And for the flames, admittedly, it could also symbolize purification. So God says, when you go through tough times, be it like a flood or a wildfire, I got you. Do not be afraid. I haven't checked out. I'm with you. During this week, then, with baptism and knowledge of Jewish rituals in mind, I could also see Isaiah meaning, when you go through the waters, not of floods that threaten to destroy, but when you go through the waters of entrance onto a holy path, when you and God say yes to each other, when you are baptized into the body of Christ, the church, we've got the water, and now comes, sooner or later, the fire, the heat, the persecution, the being cast out or get get a lot of trouble because of your faith, the sacrifices that are made to successfully follow Jesus one's whole life. They can be represented by the flames which could stop in us what God has started, and we started with God. Either way, with water as a sacred sacramental element of belonging, faith, and discipleship, followed by hot stresses, or with water as a threat to life and health, just like fire, you and I are in good company. Because God has told those whom God has called or created this. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am Yahweh your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, because you are precious in my sight, and honored, and I love you. Do not fear, for I am with you. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. You and I, congregations large, middle-sized, and small, our programs and ministries, and our members and friends go through sometimes long days and weary nights, tight budgets, and divergent senses of purpose. 
giving up beloved practices or things or activities sometimes so something new, perhaps risky, can grow in its needed place. We know in life and we know in community our baptism and joy together undergoes tribulation. There are flames in our following, symbolically speaking, not always symbolic for some of our early Christian martyrs. Jesus prepared us in his own way to expect us. Be prepared to carry your own cross and daily follow me. But we are always in good company. God is with us, our loving, naming us Lord, whom we know in Jesus is with us. For those of us experiencing disconnectedness, loneliness, spiritual fatigue, or being untethered or unanchored and kind of floating, today's readings tell us what our baptism does promise during our life of faith on this earth. It speaks of passing through waters, baptismal or frightening floods, and where God may be trusted to be. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine, belonging, belonging. I will be with you. They shall not overwhelm you. Even when, maybe especially when, you or I do not feel God's nearness, God has promised to be present. And as we're baptized into the body of Christ, we are then to try and be present to one another. For we are, through baptism into Christ's church, tethered to one another in love and in spirit. We are in good company in another level. When God tells Israel and implicitly tells Jesus that God will be with them, it brings to my mind the word accompany. God does not promise to remove water and fire from our life experiences, but but God is with us to see us through them. If not in this life, there is always the next, and hopefully both. God pledges to accompany us through this life, Particularly, we see that in baptism, and even onward to the life beyond. This is a powerful source of strength and peace, if we allow it. It can hug us in comfort and faith. It can re-tether us and bring us back in. Without Jesus here in the flesh, you I and the churches in our lives are meant to be are meant to be one important way that God accompanies us. God uses us, graciously chooses us to act kindly to someone suffering, significantly to one in grief, even prophetically speak through us to encourage and inspire holy actions of justice and compassion. We are in accompanying, we're in the company of pilgrims, accompanying one another as God accompanies us. We receive these graces in a variety of ways, and we share them and embody them for others in a variety of ways. An example about 
God's presence through us. Somehow bringing God's presence to others. Because God works through other people. There's an old story about a woman who was living through the aching pain of bereavement. She kept coming to church during her time of grief. But she would just stand there with the hymnal in her hands, not singing. A good friend noticed this and said, I see you're not singing, and I also know how much you love to sing. Why don't you just try to join in? It'll make you feel better. I'm sorry, said the bereaved woman, but I just can't sing right now. I'm sure I will, eventually, but for now, I know the church is singing the hymns for me. And that's a great source of comfort. Each week in worship, we live out this work of being together, even if over the phone or live stream, a company of believers. Individual prayer and meditation are wonderful things. Christian family life is likewise a wonderful thing. But I suggest they are not a substitute for life together if possible in the larger company that is the church. The Lord promises to be with us as we pass through the waters. A significant way God does that is through each one of us, week after week, as we gather as God's people in person or online. You and I do not come to worship just for individual edification. We do not just come or tune in to receive. We come to give. Our presence in the company of pilgrims is important to others we accompany as well. For in this assembly of Christians, flawed and stumbling as we can be, we find we are in good company. There's a great story that is in the confirmation book. I'm sure I've told it before. Uh, the story is told of a small church in, uh, in Europe, and, uh, but it could be anywhere. And the tradition in this particular local church, though, was that there was a candle for everyone who came to worship. Well, it wasn't just for Christmas Eve. And when they got there, they would light their candle. And it would be where they were sitting in the pew. And if somebody who was, if there were people who were missing, there would be a darkness instead of the light of that candle. And the more people that were there, the more light there was, literally, but also not, but also, you know, spiritually and emotionally. And so everyone is benefited by everyone else who is here. Our presence in the Christian community, week after week after week, under the haze of COVID's Omicron, praying and singing, offering up our gifts, is a ministry to others behind us, sitting next to us, or in front of us, or even seeing our name pop up on the online comments of uh, the chat feed. Every time we are gathering, that's going to, we don't know that there's going to be someone there who's silently in pain or who is enduring some terrible trouble. 
But much of the, and much of the time we have no way to know this, nor do we have any way of knowing how important it is to that fellow believer or seeker who sees us, yes, us, engaging in worship. I'm glad they're there, and they're there for me, because I can't be there. Accompanying is one way God blesses us with God's presence through each other. Now, what if such a person, though, comes to church on a Sunday, a new person, feeling debilitating, a debilitating spiritual pain or, or doubt, feeling untethered, and sees an empty sanctuary, or one so nearly empty that prayers ring hollow and hymn singing lacks any joy? Or what if that person logged on and found a few others there or giving a thumbs up? We would be failing to perform that Christ-like work of accompanying, making it hard for them to remember that when they pass through the waters, God is beside them through the community. I close with the words of Henry Nouwen in good company. That's not his title. He talks about consolation, and he wrote, Consolation is a beautiful word. It means to be con with the lonely one, solus, consolus, consolation. To offer consolation is one of the most important ways to care. Life is so full of pain, sadness, and loneliness that we often wonder what we can do to alleviate the immense suffering that we see. We can and must offer consolation. Be with the lonely one. We can, he said, and must console the mother who lost her child, the family whose house burned down, the soldier who was wounded, the teenager who contemplates suicide, the old man who wonders why he should stay alive. To console does not mean to take the pain away but rather to be there and say, you are not alone. I'm with you. Together we can carry the burden. Don't be afraid. I am here. That is consolation. We all need to give it as well as receive it. We are in good company by the grace of God. Amen. Bless you for listening to this, this week's uh, podcast and the scriptures. Uh, it's appreciated. And as I said before, it is my hope that this, is, uh, that this ministers to you and perhaps those to whom you come in, with whom you come into contact. For we're not here just for ourselves, but for one another. And in that way, we reflect our Lord. Have a good week. Have a blessed week. See you next week. I hope. Bye.